0: Stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. But it don't matter all the stuff it bought. It's the way you think. This segment of Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following of features so miguel key break the budget Number seven. There we go. Yes, this is our moment of truth key, in a sense, uh, because of uh, what we've been doing since the beginning of the season, if you've been following us with our Keys to Riches. We're going to talk specifically about why budgets are bad and why you should be breaking your budget. We also have a fabulous moolah word of the day, and people always hear this term and they think about, well, what does that mean? We, We hear about these menacing funds and what they're up to, And are they really menacing? And maybe I should be a part of those. Maybe they're actually not menacing, but money-making. And maybe I should be investing in those instead. So, we have a really great moolah word of the day. And I know we're just feeling like it's the beginning uh, of the year. We're partway through. um, And taxes aren't technically due for another couple months. But... That doesn't mean that the tax scams are not on the horizon. So we need to take a look at what 2017 has in store for us tax scam wise on today's show. But first, let's talk about this week's key, shall we? So uh, I liken budgets to dieting and uh, budgets like diets are something that most people go on to and off of. And usually when they go off of them, they become worse off than what they did when they started. And so it's this big downward spiraling self-fulfilling prophecy because we have to go on a budget. Oh no, I have to go on a budget. That negative connotation in and of itself is a problem. So we want to make sure that we're paying attention to what we're doing and what is better for you once you finally break that budget for good. And if you'd like to learn about what that is, well, you have to listen to this week's key show and you can do that here on this same channel. If you listen to this on a syndicated radio station, or you can visit our website at keystoriches.com where you can get this week's key in its entirety, plus all of the resources that go along with this week's key and how to deploy it effectively. If you've been with us for a while, uh, and been listening to the key shows, then you know that this is the, uh, third question that we're starting to answer so we have where am i where am i going and what's the difference so this is going to solve our very first where am i because we're going to do our initial assessment we're going to complete that from key two and then we will continue and uh, do um, uh, our 30-day analysis that then becomes a larger part of our practicing the three r's key so we've got lots more in store and all of that stuff is available at keystoriches.com so let's talk about the moolah word. Moolah word coming Should up Should we? What do we got? Today's Moolah word of the day is hedge fund. Hedge fund. Yes, hedge fund. And um, they can they have been vilified um but let's understand why they do that um, hedge funds are alternative investments using pooled funds that employ numerous different strategies to earn active return or alpha for their investors so hedge funds may be aggressively managed or make use of derivatives which are investments of investments, and leverage, which means borrow, in both domestic and international markets with the goal of generating high returns, either in an absolute sense, meaning dollars, or over a specified market benchmark, meaning performance, like uh, quarters or mm-hmm. years. Uh, so it is important to note that hedge funds are generally only accessible to accredited investors as they require less SEC regulations than other funds. So what does that mean in English? What is an accredited investor? Well, an accredited investor has a minimum net worth of a million dollars or more. So that's the only way. Um, but once you hit that threshold, that level of, um, uh, critical mass, as they say, then the world, the heavens, just open up to you. so once you can hit that, that 's why the first million is always the hardest to make, and the successive millions are much simpler to make. i 'm not going to say easier because they require a lot of risk, which could require a lot of intestinal fortitude on your part. The reason why you have to have a net worth of a million or more is because of the level of risk involved, because of the lack or I shouldn't say lack of, but lower amount of oversight and the general risk is higher. So you can't, the uh, federal government does not want you investing money today that it's supposed to pay your mortgage next month. (laughs) You can't say, woo, I'm going for these returns because the returns may not occur in one month. Investment horizon. They might not occur in a multi month investment horizon. It could take quite a while, like several years, you know. Uh, Yeah, so it all depends. Uh, But one of the neat things is uh, private placements. So we haven't ever, I don't know if we've done this word, but uh, I'm going to talk about a private place because my husband just started another company they took public. When you hear the the, the, um, announcement of a stock going public, Shares of stock are sold prior to that in what they call a private placement. So they know that they're going to make their money that they need for whatever their capital thing is for expansion or whatever. Most companies go public because they need to raise big cash for big expansion, big development, big whatever it is. Uh, So a private placement is done by a firm. And so they take and they create like whatever the dollar amount is. So let's say a company needs to raise $2 bucks, all right, to do whatever they need to do in order to expand to meet market demand, whatever it might be. So let's say the, the number is $2 million. So a firm will say, okay, well, we'll take and sell those shares of stock to our preferred investors, which will all be accredited. And so they buy it in the private placement for less than what it goes public for. But here's the catch. So when you buy... At a private placement, if the private placement is a dollar twenty five a share and the stock goes out at two dollars and fifty cents a share, that's a hundred percent return on your money. That sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. But here's the thing, it's usually restricted stock, meaning you can't sell it for a year. Oh. And you have to buy a big chunk of it, like a minimum buy-in of, say, $50,000 to $100,000 yeah. is typical on how they do that. And it's, it's done that way for a couple of reasons. First off, it's done that way because it creates a lower number of investors. So, it means that the company can fulfill its initial plans for development with the least amount of investor input you know so they can go and they can do their business and they don't have that many people to answer to before they go public so that's part of it so so now they don't have a bunch of people sticking their fingers in trying to get on the board doing all that kind right, of stuff right, right. they can actually perform the business and the day-to-day activities with a lot less interference, um, and then it also gives them time. So the they might only pay a buck and a quarter for the stock, and it goes out at two fifty. But if the company does what it's supposed to do, and the earnings are there, that stock in a year can be worth maybe four dollars or five dollars a share. So now you've made just like three hundred percent. That's how yeah. people say the rich get richer. So to speak that's one way that they do that because they are afforded investments that other people aren't and it's because they're accredited. And and the only reason why the average person isn't afforded that is because again because because you can't invest money that you don't have that's that's not discretionary. If you need if the you know 20 grand you have in the bank is your emergency fund and you get laid off you're going to be wanting that 20 grand and you can't go to a company and say hey I know I just bought $20,000 worth of restricted stock but I can't pay my bills I need that right now. <laughs> See so that's another reason why it protects the company you know from artificial liquidation because then you know if you start dumping stock at the market, because you have problems, but it's not necessarily a problem for the company. It could artificially affect that company's price. So there's a lot of reasons why it's done that way to both protect you uh, as an individual and protect the company. Yeah, protecting you too. So. Yeah. So I mean, and and that way, you know, um, so so that's why you got to get on the dime and you got to get that first million. You know, and I forget who said this, but somebody had said this quote if I knew it was going to take as long as it did to work on that first million, I would have started on the second. (laughs) Yeah, I love that quote. I can't remember who said that, but it is a pretty funny quote. Uh, but so, um, so hedge funds, because of their inherent risk, because of the long term effects of what they're trying to accomplish in order to meet these high returns you know, that they're trying to to accomplish. Like, so maybe this particular fund is going out and and buying up a bunch of, you know, pre-IPO companies, you know, investing in it, you know what I mean? So that, that could be one thing. And so they've got to have people that have money to play and can keep their shorts on in the meantime, you know? So that's why they require accredited investors. But if you're at that level, hedge funds might be another option for you. If you have the intestinal fortitude to let your money ride... You know, most of the time they perform well. You only get into trouble when people cause trouble. Uh, that's it for your moolah word of the day. So it, you might want to look into hedge funds if you're nearing that million dollar mark. Asset wise, it might be an option for you. And you don't have to be liquid for that whole million. You just have to be net that. So there's a difference between net and liquid. Yeah. And so as long as you have that, you can start playing, you know, with just a $10,000, $20,000, whatever their minimum buy-ins are. It, it all depends on the fund right. itself. At least it'll become an option for you and, and to know that those are aggressive, growths, uh, aggressive growth type of products. If you're getting older and you haven't made the returns that you thought you were going to make, that might be an option to help keep your keep some, uh, some or most of your assets protected while gambling a little bit and see if you, you can't strike it rich. Yeah. So that's it for today's uh, moolah word word of hedge funds. So now it's time to talk about today's topic, tax scams. So if uh, we recall from the beginning of the year, we covered all of the scams of 2016, the top scams of 2016. And what was the top scam? Tax scams. There you go. 25% of all scams last year were tax scams. And you're thinking, okay, so what does that have to do with this year? Well, right now is a good time to get you quaking in your boots, all right? Because you know taxes are due. Maybe you file yourself online. Maybe you do them yourself to save money. Maybe you go to a cut rate place. So you're already on edge. Because you took a lot of deductions this year. You probably shouldn't have had a refund, right? You're like, I'm just... I'm skating on the edge. So you already got that riding in the back of your mind. Being self-employed, I've always been... Well, yeah. And let me just tell you, the wagon hall's last name is really popular with audits. (laughs) So with that lurking in the background, especially as an independent business person, you are an amazingly ripe target for a tax scam. And why is that? Because if we look at it from a biology-based money management perspective, which is what we do in Money, Credit, and You, we're looking at it in that fashion because we've got so many other things going on in our lives that if we get called on the carpet for cheating, the last thing we want to do is have our neighbors watch us get handcuffed and hauled off to jail. So you don't want that. Uh Uh-oh, what did I just do? No. Although no. I don't care too much about my neighbors. but Yes, you do. Because I always hear you complain about that one lady. Well, yeah, but, but, but I mean. She's not nice anyway. I just don't want you to get yelled at by her because she's probably going to get killed if that happens. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a, a pacifist at heart. I'm well prepared for a confrontation. Yeah. But ideally, passivity is the way to go. You I'm like a to, peace-loving individual. You like to solve it with words. Yes, as best I can. Yeah. And then, if I'm aggressed upon as a as a libertarian, I'm a peace loving individual. Yeah, whatever. So, what are you up to over there? Uh, fraudulent tax returns. Oh, fraudulent tax are what we have to worry about. So, because you have now received your W two. Yeah. If you have not done your taxes, what are you waiting for? Why are you lollygagging? Unless you haven't received stuff, and technically you were supposed to by what February second is the date. Yeah. So we're past February too. So you should have every statement, every interest statement, all of that stuff. If you haven't received those things, you should guesstimate and get your taxes filed. You can always file an amended return later, but here's why. Fraudulent tax returns are on the rise. So it's not just about somebody assuming your identity or somebody calling to hustle you out of money, threatening to arrest you if you don't pay them with a prepaid debit card. It's about somebody taking the time to file taxes. In your name. In your name. Wow. Okay. Well, it's very simple because this, you know, my husband was a victim of this. The FBI descended upon our office and, uh, you know, and immediately when I, the FBI infiltrated and started like looking at things and doing stuff, I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. And all I was just doing is, uh, you know, reliving scenes from Spanish prisoner. Did you ever see that movie? No. Oh my gosh. It came out in the nineties. It was an independent film and Steve Martin was the villain. So good, but you know the uh, it was an elaborate scheme um, to get this guy's um, patentable information away from him, Um, and it was a sting of a sting, and it was the ultimate con game. Is all I'm going to say. You got to go watch it yourself Uh, because you won't believe it. It's just amazing. Um, It's a David Mamet thriller. So I like David. Yeah, so you'll totally dig it. So somebody files taxes. Under your taxpayer ID number, to whatever address that they want the taxes sent to, and or specifically the return sent to, and they can usually because we have this fabulous electronic age, they won't even bother with having the check mail. They'll check a box and they'll put a routing number and a bank account number for a direct deposit of a refund. So when you and your lazy tush get around to filing taxes by the 15th or filing your extension and then filing later, you're going to have problems because somebody already filed and ran off with your cash. took your refund, yeah. And, you know, so in in my husband's case, somebody had filed taxes in another state, with his taxpayer ID number. They did it wow. at an H&R Block. Wow. They went in and then they got the rapid refund from h and Block. And then, and, and the, the, here's how it was found out because they obviously defaulted when the check came. So they got the money from the rapid refund. And then they also got the other money that they were supposed to pay the loan off. And So since they defaulted on the tax loan, wow. that's what prompted the tax lien. You know, and that's where the criminal charges started to come about. That's where the FBI started to investigate. Yeah, and so it turned out that these three hoodlums got a hold of my husband's social security number, filed taxes, uh, completely different income level, completely different race, completely wow. different date of birth. All of the information was completely different except for the name and the social security number. They were arrested. They went to trial. They were. Charged, convicted, and served their time before I could get H&R Block to remove this. I had all the paperwork before they would remove it from my husband's credit reports. And so we always had this stupid little $4,000 thing. People are like, why don't you pay it? And I'm like, because it's not ours to pay. Because there was a criminal action that caused this. And I have already sent the proof to everybody. And so... For the last, I don't know, six, seven years, I've bad-mouthed H&R Block on my show, and finally, (laughs) they took care of it. Oh, good. (laughs) It's off. I don't know if it's off because they took care of it or, or what, but I did finally get rid of it. But tax liens are hard to get rid of. I mean, the only way to get rid of them is to pay them. But this was completely fraudulent, and I had all the proof. Wow. But yeah, HR Block wouldn't even listen to me oh, about man, it. Nightmare. I know. It was just crazy. But this can happen to anybody. Uh, we covered a story a few years back where there was uh, a work for home scam involved in these tax scams. And her job, this girl's job, was to go open up a bank account and then receive money and then. Take her fee off of the tap and then wire the money somewhere else. She didn't know where it was coming from. she didn't know why it was coming in. Her job was just to do this. She was a poor, starving college student, college students work part-time, make ten grand a month. And that's what her job was was to receive these wires, and she was just a little you know, wet behind the ears, college freshman looking to make some extra cash and 10 grand a month while going to school sounded like a flipping good deal. And uh, so she wound up being exonerated for any any Uh wrongdoing. She's so lucky because the the scam was never revealed to her. She was just, you know, it was just a work at home thing and she was just doing what she was supposed to be doing, but she was wiring the money offshore. I mean, she could have faced severe jail time yes. Um, so that's that's part of how this is going. So the IRS has stepped up efforts to combat this, um, and they have been able to, with their new early detection system, identify 35,000 fraudulent returns in the first couple of months of last year's tax season. Um, but um, it prevented the issuance of, check this out, $193 million worth of fraudulent refunds. Wow. So, like, we worry about the president and how he balances the budget, supposedly, and gets it passed through Congress, but then we still have all of this fraud occurring. Like, who pays for that? Like, how is that accounted for in, in the budget, the federal budget? Yeah. So uh, despite the IRS's best efforts, there is still a chance that your identity will be used to file a fraudulent return. And many people don't realize they're a victim until their return is rejected. And it, ours wasn't rejected because we were still waiting for uh, a particular document from a company had uh, to send their 1098s, an investment thing. We were waiting on them. They hadn't filed theirs. And so we were waiting on that. And that was what was hanging us up and uh, from taking care of our taxes. And, and that's the only reason why we were vulnerable like that. It was just a crazy deal. You are listening to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored by keepmyid.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash keepmyid and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So uh, fraudulent tax returns... Are something that's important to you, but let's talk about something that you actually became potential mark. Well, uh, you yeah. you weren't a potential mark; you were a mark. I was a mark, but you were not a victim, and thankfully, because yeah. of this show, yeah. is probably one of the reasons why. But the phone scams are just ridiculous. And you want to be aware of those. Again, if you are the person who is self-employed, if you are the person who has maybe not used the best judgment, or you took a little extra write-offs, you know, maybe you tried to write off your medical expenses for your dog, but he's not a guide dog or a service dog, He doesn't perform medically necessary things or not a guard dog or um service dog Yes, we did it we did an update on that if you recall. Uh, <laughs> Again, you, your your listening skills are just unbelievable these days. Uh yes, um you can write off uh service animals and their upkeep if they perform a medically life-saving. Yeah, so okay. Yeah, so yeah. the kid yeah. Yeah, so the kid can be written off because he watches my blood sugar. Uh and he was trained to do that and he's registered and all of that stuff for it. So uh if you um but let's say your dog isn't a service dog, but you just bought the jacket. Shame on you. Yeah, yeah. Just so you could bring your dog everywhere. Yeah. And lots of people do that. I'm sure. Yeah, so what they do. Uh or therapy dogs, which a therapy dog is not a service dog. And, a, this guy's a therapy dog. Is he a therapy dog? I mean, maybe for your mental health and well-being, but But, uh, therapy dogs are the ones that go visit people in hospitals and make them happy, but they're not performing a life-saving benefit. Uh And so that's what distinguishes therapy dogs from service dogs. But, uh, yeah, so let's say you took some ride offs You probably shouldn't have taken off. Maybe you wrote off more clothes for work than you really wear so for the work. Scam, the scam people are, on to, are aware of all that stuff? No, but this is, this is how they get you because okay. you are biologically on edge. You already in the back of your mind oh, yeah. know you've done something probably you shouldn't have yeah. or you're skirting the edges. Right. And so you have that guilt, that subconscious guilt for pushing the envelope. Yeah. It doesn't take much. And it doesn't mean that the IRS really caught you at it. I mean, you, sometimes you get stuff, you know, throw it at the wall, see what sticks, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, what's that rule? Better ask for forgiveness and permission sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and certainly the IRS will let you know if you step out of bounds, but they will not call you. No. for that. That's letter. what we have to know. They will not call you if there is a problem. So that's what you have to know. But, you know, you got this one and they threatened jail time and they tried to be specific with you. So they're gathering public record information. And the ironic thing is you hadn't lived in that commonwealth they identified in the call and uh, for like, what, 20, 30 years. So yeah. that was what was the ironic part of all yeah. of that, yeah. you yeah. know, is they could have had you being a self-employed business person thinking, oh, my God, I messed something up. I put something in the wrong column. It's easy to do. And, but, you know, had they not had that, oh, but I haven't lived there for 30 years. We're coming to arrest you. or issuing a warrant yeah, yeah, for yeah. your property. You know, I mean, property tax records are, are easily uncovered. Yeah. You know, they're public records. Yeah. And so, you know, people just do that, you know, and they can just find an associated phone number. It doesn't take much for them to compile this data. And then, of course, they have the caller ID that usually originates from a 202 area code. So we think, oh, Washington, D.C., right? Yeah. Nah, usually whenever I've had to talk to the IRS, anytime I've gotten a return phone call, because, again, they never initiate. They will return, but they don't initiate. It's been from Utah. Huh. Those are, Utah is usually where I get my return phone calls That's from, so it's completely different area code. And last but not least are phishing scams that we have to watch out for. Um, the IRS saw an alarming 400% surge in phishing and malware incidents during the 2016 tax season, so it's a safe bet that since it worked before, they'll keep doing it. These are in the form of fake emails that could also be sent as fake text messages. Whichever form they take, they're designed to trick you into to thinking they came directly from the IRS. And they've gotten much more sophisticated over the years. Some import logos and make the emails look and sound official, they may even direct you to a website that looks identical to the IRS website and they could be spoofing it. Wow. And they ask you to enter your data. And so Whoa. you type in your name, date of birth, social security number, thinking you're logging into the IRS yeah. and you're logging into phonybaloneyirs.gov, not irs.gov. So they're easy to avoid if you know what to look for. And simply put, the IRS will never call you or never email you. So if you get a phone call or an email, eh, thanks for playing, totally disregard it. If you'd like to be proactive, take and report them. But know that the IRS will only notify you via first class mail. And why is that? Why don't they switch over to email? It's going to be cheaper. Yes, but would it be? Look at this. I don't know. Oh, you mean the cost of computers and stuff? Not not just that not everybody has one, but forget about that part for a matter. You know, that's the last thing we need is our government emailing confidential information. That's I forgot about that, yeah. (laughs) How easily the internet can be hacked. It's not secure communication. Right now, the most secure communication is our U.S. postman. Snail mail. Snail mail is the way to go. Yeah. You know, there are security features built into envelopes these days. So it's an easy way to go. So even though it's not April 15th, we want to be wary of what's coming up. And if you haven't filed, get on the dime. Don't wait because you could become a victim without even knowing it. That's it for this week's show. For more great resources on how you can beat the IRS scams, visit our website at moneycreditandyou.com or pick up my new book, Money, Credit, and You How to Avoid Identity Theft, Frauds, and Scams. You can get half off the cover price if you get it from our website at moneycreditandyou.com. And for other great resources and more shows, information, interviews with the latest financial gurus, please visit our website at online. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com. For the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.